What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast. Today, we are taking a look at the best accessory exercises you can do to add to your routine. Why are accessory exercises so important? Well, we cover this. We go over all the benefits from connecting to a muscle, to sculpting and shaping, to basically just building a better, aesthetically looking, performing body. We also cover the main secondary exercises you can do. These are also traditionally known as secondary exercises because they have such a great give back to what you're trying to create. And then we go over a list of awesome accessory exercises per muscle group. So we go over the entire body. We cover everything head to toe. We don't go over calves because hell, calves just get built. If you want to know what calves do, do some calf raises. Everything else is going to take care of that with the exercises that we have in store for you guys. Like always, you can check brandrinka365.com for products, for services, for new up-to-date opportunities to become a member of something pretty cool that we cover at the end of this episode. Guys, enjoy the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I don't know why you wouldn't have, but you definitely should do that right now. Take a second, subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, Give it to people so they know what the hell accessory exercises are and the value of them and how they can obviously use them in their own training schedule. All right, guys, have an awesome listen, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast. Okay, guys, so today we are taking a look at accessory movements and the best exercises that aren't the big bang for your buck exercises but they are movements and exercises that complement kind of those big compound multi-joint movements that I'm a massive advocate of. Any true strength trainer, athlete, and coach will all, always kind of push the compound movements as your basic main lifts to make sure you invest a lot of time into and you get a lot of practice with. And then there's the accessory movements that are more complementary, right? They help shape the body, they help sculpt the body, they help protect the body. Um, they're very prevalent in the bodybuilder community. So when you look at somebody you know, who is maybe competing on stage, you'll notice that they do a lot of isolation movements, right? Because they're trying to build every aspect of their body. They step on stage, the judges give them feedback. They might say, well, we need some more development in your quads or your hamstrings or your triceps. And then they go off and they actually try to build those things. And that's where these accessory movements will come in handy. Now, if you're someone who wants to build a very pleasing, aesthetically looking body, accessory movements are going to be really beneficial. And we'll kind of get into the benefits. Um, But by no means am I saying these movements should replace the big compound movements. Like I said, every training plan and program should be based around the compound multi-joint movements. Those are your best bang for your buck um, exercises. I did a podcast on this not too long ago, probably maybe four or five, maybe six episodes ago. So you can go back into the archives and check it out. I'd highly suggest you listen to that. And then you can complement it with this episode. Uh, that way you have kind of a, a really good understanding of the big, big bang for your buck movements and also the accessories. But those movements are going to be the foundation of a good train routine because they have this systemic effect, right? Um, the big bang for your buck exercises, the deadlift, the bench press, the overhead press, the squat, and the row. And then I also throw in kind of like a sixth one, which would be like a, 
a hang clean um, or even like a power clean from the ground. Those movements, again, they have this multi-joint effect where it's not just one part of the body working. There's a ton going on. There's this massive connection and neuromuscular connection going on where it takes and requires the entire body basically to, to perform that lift um, at an optimal level. So if you take a power clean, for example, or a deadlift, probably to the more aggressively explosive movements and powerful movements, there's so much that has to be connected when you're doing a movement like that, right? The hips are engaged, the glutes are engaged, the erector spinae is engaged, the back, the lower back, the upper back, the traps, the biceps, the grips of the forearms, the legs, the, the hamstrings. There's just so much going on in these multi-joint movements, which make them so incredibly effective, right? Because you are recruiting a ton of muscle fibers. You are creating or recruiting a ton of motor units um, by usually lifting at a fairly high intensity, meaning the weight is probably pretty heavy and you're probably doing more low rep movements or um, sets with those movements. And you're going to see this massive development in your strength, but also in your musculature because these movements are just so good at recruiting those muscle fibers. And that's the basis of building muscle, right? Can you get your body to recruit more muscle fiber fibers through the stimulation that you're supplying it? And that's why we want to take these exercises close to its max capacity, right? So we call on more muscle fibers. If we do an exercise let's just say a set of 10 reps and we pick a weight where we really could do 15 or 20 reps, we don't allow the body to recruit as many muscle fibers as we could or should be to get the maximal result from that movement, right? So that's why we want to take the movement closer to that 10 rep max weight or, or range, sorry. And that's why when we do these big motor or big gross motor movements, like those multi-joint compound movements, we're taking the body close to its max capacity, like I said, by recruiting all those muscle fibers. So with these accessory movements, some of them I'm going to go over, the main ones definitely have um, a slight systemic effect, meaning again, they're engaging the entire system to a lesser degree than the big five and those big multi-joint movements, uh, but they still have uh, a really good handle on building a lot of muscle and we'll go over those and then I'll give you guys a list for awesome accessory exercises per muscle group. Every muscle group we're going to go over basically uh, and give you guys some great exercises you would throw into your routine. So let's start off by talking about the benefits of these accessory exercises. For one, accessory exercises allow us to have a greater connection to a particular muscle. When we do a big compound multi-joint movement, there's so much going on. Like I mentioned, there's so much recruitment happening. There's so much engagement throughout the entire central nervous system, the entire body, that it's really hard to connect to everything, right? A really good lift is going to have this you know, really strong connection going on, but it's still hard to really isolate any particular part of the, the body. Um, like, for example, if we do a back squat, and we're trying to develop the glutes. Yes, a back squat will develop the glutes in an incredible fashion, but it's a little bit more difficult to connect the glutes because you have the quads and the hamstrings working as well, right? So 
even though the multi-joint movement like a squat is going to build some great looking glutes and hamstrings and quads, it's a little harder to connect compared to like a donkey kickback, right? Where you're going to really feel the glutes. Only difference is you can't mimic the tension, the intensity, the central nervous engagement, um, the central nervous system engagement, sorry, like you would with a back squat compared to kickback. So connection's important, right? But it's still missing a few things. It's just one aspect of growing a, bus- a muscle. Um, and the better we get at connecting to muscles, maybe prior to a big multi-joint compound movement, the more ability we're going to have when we perform these multi-joint movements to recruit muscles within that particular area of the body. Okay. Um, and again, I think early on when I program for clients, our first phase for the first four to eight weeks is a lot of connection. It's finding and feeling the muscle, right? It's creating that high level of my muscle connection because I want my client to be able to feel the muscles. That way, when we transition into more multi-joint, big gross motor movements, they're able to connect and fire those muscles, uh, at a little easier rate, right? So they at least know what it feels like to squeeze the glutes at the top of a deadlift. They know what it feels like to engage the lats when we bend the bar at the beginning of a deadlift. Or they know how to engage the lats during their setup of a bench press. Or they're able to really engage their core during a back squat or or an overhead press, for example. So Connecting to a muscle not only is really beneficial to get it to fire up and to recruit more muscle fibers in that particular area, but going off that, our ability to connect is going to help strengthen the stabilizing muscles. And these stabilizer muscles, uh, and what what these stabilizers are, are basically muscles and extremities um, being able to connect during these multi-joint movements, right? Stabilizers help stabilize these muscles. They help stabilize the extremities. So when we're doing a big multi-joint movement, we have this connection with the movement throughout the stabilizing aspects of our body. For example, if we do a deadlift, like I just mentioned, our stabilizers in that particular movement would be our abdominal, so our kind of trunk in our abs, um, our trapezius, So the top of, if you ever see those big kind of boulders by someone's neck, that's the traps. Uh, And then the forearms, right? The forearms are obviously attached to the extremities of the hand uh, and the arm there. So they're gripping the weight. So if we have a stronger, if we have stronger stabilizers, well, guess what? This is going to work in our advantage when we do these big multi-joint movements because we're going to be more protected. We're going to be more connected. We're going to have less opportunity for injury or breakdown uh, or mechanical malfunctions during this big movement, uh, which is so, so incredibly important, especially if you go into a strength phase where the load and the intensity is a bit higher and we're going to be pushing some decent weight. You're really going to want to be able to have those strong stabilizers protect you in a movement um, and be able to help you perform that movement as proficiently as possible. Now, accessory movements and exercises are also really good for sculpting the body and shaping the body, right? For a muscle to build, like if we're talking about toning a muscle or defining a muscle, we're, we're building a muscle. That's what we're doing. You can't tone or build a muscle uh, or define a muscle really without building it. Um, if you don't build a muscle, but you just simply lose fat, for example, you're not going to tone the muscle. It might be a little bit more defined, but chances are it's going to be look a little bit more flabby, 
right, and weakened and softer. So when we do these accessory exercises, we're actually sculpting. And the way I like to look at this in terms of an analogy standpoint um, is think of you, you as a sculptor. Like you're literally, you have a big piece of clay, which is your body, and you're using these accessory exercises to kind of sharpen down the angle, sharpen down the edges, and really put together this beautiful looking sculpture that's not just aesthetically pleasing from the front or back, but from all angles as a whole, okay? And that's a massive part of really building a body up is having those small little intricate movements to help shape in the body. Accessory exercises are also really beneficial in terms of the stress that they provide to the body. Um, stress in terms of systemic stress. They're not very high in terms of systemic stress, right? If we do a back squat and a deadlift and a bench press all in the same workout, there's going to be a high level of central nervous system fatigue. Our body's going to feel pretty drained. It's going to feel pretty beat up. We're going to need 48 to 72 hours to fully recover, right? doesn't mean we can't do something the next day, but we're going to have to lay off those big movements for at least 48 to 72 hours, right? When we do accessory exercises, especially some of the smaller ones where we're really focusing on sculpting the body, we can do these far more frequently because they don't have that same high level of stress on the body, right? Because again, they're small, they're not multi-joint, they're basically an isolation exercise, meaning that we're kind of isolating a part of the body. Um, even though we don't really, we can't really isolate any movement straight up, like 100%, there's just like an 80%, 90% isolation rate where we can really focus in on that muscle. And when we do that, the body can handle a lot more of it. And that's why you'll typically see like a glute building program that I just put out, for example, the final phase, which is our sculpt phase, the final three weeks, I have a lot more exercises, almost double the amount of exercises compared to our first phase, which is our strength phase, because we're able to handle more volume. We're able to handle more repetitions. We're able to handle more exercises because the previous accessory or isolation exercise before it didn't beat the shit out of us like a back squat or overhead press or deadlift would have, right? Um, hence the shorter rest periods the increased volume and the increased opportunity to handle more exercises and engage in more exercises. Um, going off that, accessory exercises are fun because they allow you to express a greater variety within your routine. So you're actually able to implement a lot of different exercises into your routine because you're trying to shape in the body and sculpt this. You got to hit it from different angles. Um, there's probably a little bit more engagement within those sessions in terms of you having a little bit more excitement. It's not as traditional or simplistic or boring as the big lifts. Now, I say boring with quotes around because boring is effective. It, it's the most effective thing, but I can see how some people would say, well, can't we do another exercise? Why are we always back squatting? Why are we always pressing or rowing or deadlifting? Because it works for one, but on those opposing sessions, maybe in between those sessions, we can hit up some isolation movements and some accessory movements just to help kind of shape in and keep that signal being sent to the body, a much smaller signal, but a signal nonetheless. Um, and remember, with accessory exercises and these isolation movements, this is localized stress to a particular muscle. We've talked about this, that systemic effect of those multi-joint movements, uh, of the big five and even the, the power clean. 
Again, this has this massive amount of stress to the entire body, um, but with these accessory exercises and the isolation movements we're going to talk about, there's more of a localized stress. So yes, you'll even see studies that would indicate um, you know, a donkey kickback or leg extension having more stimulation to the quad with the leg extension compared to a back squat or more localized engagement to the glute with a donkey kickback compared to a back squat. Again, those movements, just because there's more engagement, more localized stimulation occurring within those movements doesn't mean you're going to build a muscle any faster. No, that's basically like trying to use a spoon to dig a pool compared to a backhoe, right? It's way less effective, way less efficient. It's going to take you way more time. But there is a point where, excuse me, you can throw those movements into your routine to help create a little bit more of that localized stimulation and stress so for, we get some added volume, some added frequency, and opportunity to prime and connect to that muscle more effectively. Um, and the final one is, final benefit that I see at least, would be decreasing the risk of injury. Um, when we take on these big multi-joint movements and we, you know, everyday life, it's good to be well-versed within the body, right? It's good to move the body in different ways. Um, yes, building muscle with these multi-joint movements are extremely effective and should be the primary structure of a routine. But at the same time, our body moves differently all the time. It's rotating, it's lifting things side to side in front of us um, with lighter weight or traditionally not lifting really heavy things. There's probably a lot of small but um, you know consistent movements throughout the day. And you know, having your body express itself in, in a whole bunch of different ranges of motion and you know different ways that the body moves is really effective, right? And, and that will obviously help, like I said, strengthen the stabilizers and decrease the risk of injury. Just small things like nagging pains to you know, the calves or to the, the glute med that can actually help you know, really alleviate some back pain and, and some hip pain as well, right? So, so it's important to definitely structure that into your routine because again, it takes a little bit of stress off those big multi-joint movements. Um, it can actually help you stay more durable. Um, and we do have one more. Sorry, I lied to you guys. But these movements, like I said, you can throw them into your routine, uh, kind of lower intensity-ish in between big sessions, right? Um, so if you have, say, you're doing a three-day-a-week full-body routine that consists primarily of the multi-joint movements, you can throw these movements and these exercises into your routine on day-offs or in-between, sorry. So even though you know technically it's a growth day and recovery day, if you're someone who loves to work out you know, five to six days a week, or you want to enhance a weakened or underdeveloped muscle, you can throw in some of these isolation and accessory exercises in between your big primary training sessions of the week. Um, don't take it to failure. Keep it relatively lower intensity. Keep the reps high. Keep the sets about two or three. Um, and then you can really ha hammer it, right? If you take these exercises to failure, it's actually going to create a lot of central nervous system um, drainage and it'll, it'll beat the system up quite a bit. Um, so you want to be more mindful of how you're using them. Uh, and then you can throw them in at the end of your big training sessions, uh, your three or four primary training sessions in the week um, as added volume, right? 
I do that in a lot of my programming where I might have two or three multi-joint movements and at the end I throw in two or three accessory movements depending on how much volume we're doing, what, what phase we're in, um, and it allows us to get a little bit more volume with that muscle that we're trying to build, um, which is always beneficial. Um, if we don't overdo it, of course, you need to be a little bit more mindful that we don't just put in unnecessary work and we're doing more just for the sake of doing more. Um, you need to think about you know doing better as being better, right? Not more is better. Okay, guys, now moving in from the benefits or moving on from the benefits, uh, we're going to talk about the main accessory exercises that I like. These are the, they're, they're close to the big five, like nothing's going to duplicate or replicate or, you know, substitute the big five. We're really trying to build a lot of muscle, but I can really put together some awesome routines for someone based on these main accessories, right? I really don't need to need to use the big five because these are variations of the big five or they create not as large of a signal but still a large signal to build muscle and get strong so let's go over them remember we talked about the big five just so we can clarify again the squat the bench press the overhead press the row and and, and the deadlift those are your big five with the hang clean or power clean being that sixth one so these main accessory exercises that i love i throw them in, into my routine they're always good alternatives especially if we switch phases or adding some volume if i go into a build phase where i'm still using a lot of you know multi-joint compound movements uh, i'm still going to throw these in as well as complementary because they still have this compound effect they are relatively multi-joint where they're just uh, well let's correct that they definitely are multi-joint movements um, but again they're not your big five so that's why they kind of take a second secondary approach and these can also be categorized as secondary movements right you might have your main movements right your your prime movements which are the big five or six then you have your secondary movements which are these that i'm going to talk about right now i.e main accessories and then we have a list of isolation and accessory exercises that we'll jump into that are much smaller signal being sent um, but they're effective at sculpting and shaping the body so what are these secondary main accessory exercises i'm talking about um, in no particular order the dip, fantastic exercise. This is a dip that's actually in a machine, not dips necessarily with your hands on a bench, but an actual dip, right? Where we're body weight, we're controlling our body throughout that entire movement. We're expressing that full range of motion, getting deep through the pectorals, pressing ourselves up with a nice strong lockout. Love the dip to build the triceps and build the chest. And I love this combination of a superset. If, if I ever put supersets together for people and they have the strength and the ability to do so, I love dips with pull-ups. Pull-ups, a phenomenal back-building movement. It is one of the staples of a successful routine. Uh, I put this tweet out there probably a month or two ago. But I used a couple examples. If you were able to do A, B, C, D, and E, you'd have a great looking physique without me even having to look at you. And one of those characteristics were being able to do a 15 strict pull-ups if you're male. And I think I had like, I don't know, 8 to 10 pull-ups if you're a female. If you're able to pull your body up for that many reps, you probably have a really strong athletic looking physique. So pull-up is one of those things you definitely want to invest a lot of time into. Just because you suck at it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. There's modifications. There's ways to regress it. Get good at hanging from a bar with your arms fully extended. Get good using some assistance, whether it's a, a band or a machine. 
um, practice the negative where you're lowering yourself from the top of that movement and trying to control your body weight as your arms fully lock out. But I love those two movements, the dip and the pull up. And like I said, if you're in a phase or part of your program where you're supersetting, um, this is great because it's antagonistic superset, meaning you're working the front of the body, then the back of the body, the anterior and the posterior. So absolutely love that. I've done that with a lot of my clients and with myself as well. I have a dip and pull up uh, machine in my home here, my condo. Um, so again, worst case, if I'm ever in a rush or I'm crunched for time, that's an awesome four set routine right there where I can crush my body, have an awesome pump and, and create some real good muscle damage and strength development. Uh, other secondary main accessory movements, we had the chin up variation, in the pull up. If, uh, we want to know the difference, the pull up is a little bit more back and lat oriented where the chin up is going to have a little bit more bicep activation and the chin up, your palms are facing you. So there's that supination uh, of the hand, uh, pull ups, your palms are away from you. You have that pronated grip. Okay. But chin ups will definitely build the back, um, nearly as much as the pull up. Uh, it's just going to target the biceps a little bit more effectively. This one's kind of cheating, I'd say, but the close grip bench press, yes, I know the bench press is a big five movement, but the close grip, you don't traditionally see it put in as the big five. You see more of a, because you can't push as much weight with it, uh, but I love the close grip bench press. It's basically your hands are a lot closer together and your elbows are tight to your sides, and this is going to light up your triceps, and it's one of the main secondary movements you can do and accessory movements you can do because it's, you can still load it to a fairly high degree, right? Where a lot of these isolation movements and, and accessory movements, you can't load very hev heavily. Um, and as we know, mechanical tension is a main aspect of building muscle and getting strong. So if you have an opportunity with a secondary or accessory movement to load a movement, it's gonna be one of the better ones you can do. Now, variations of a squat. Any variation of a squat is gonna be an, a main accessory, of course, whether it's a split squat, a Bulgarian split squat with your rear foot elevated, uh, a hack squat and a machine leg press, anything like that is going to be an awesome main accessory. Again, the systemic fatigue isn't as high as a traditional back squat based around how much tension you can load it with. Um, but these movements are still incredible tools. Um, I play around with them basically in all my programs, um, especially if we're trying to work on any imbalances. A lot of the movements I talked about, the split squat and the Bulgarian split squat uh, will help you create more balance because you're doing it more unilaterally. Um, but love those movements, definitely prime builders in any routine, um, amazing secondary movements. Lunges, love my lunges. These ones, you can do lunges uphill, you can do lunges downhill, I wouldn't recommend necessarily, but you can do lunges anywhere, everywhere, tons of different variations as well. You can do a reverse lunge, you can do a step back deficit reverse lunge, you can do a side lunge, you can do a front lunge, you can do um, a curtsy lunge, you can just do a ton, you can load it with a barbell, you can load it front loaded, you can load it with dumbbells, you can go body weight. Great movement, um, one of the main ones people would base, can, they can argue that it's basically more functional than a squat because technically when we walk, we go one leg in front of the other. We don't walk and hop with two feet in front of, uh, you know, to two feet in front and we don't keep hopping. No, we constantly alternate legs. Um, that's a lunge position, right? And I love doing lunges um, as a big base builder for a lot of people. Um, I always incorporate in my routines in some regard. I think it's just such a powerful movement. It helps with creating a really strong connection um, and just builds the shit out of the leg. So, 
Love it. Single leg deadlift um, with a dumbbell. Barbell's tough. A lot of stabilizations occurring here um, through the glute and the hip and, and the core, uh, those stabilizers that we talked about earlier. So a single leg deadlift with some support is really effective if, in case you want to limit the amount of you know, opportunity to fail on the movement. You can work your way up once you develop the strength through it, but even supporting yourself with one hand on a pole or wall or using um, like a stick, for example, just to help with the balance, but I love the single leg deadlift. It's uh, working the hip hinge, a very important movement. Um, um, a movement that we do in life is very mechanical. Uh, it's pushing your hips to the back of the room, really lights up the hamstrings. Again, it works a lot of the stabilizer muscles that we talk about that are super important to reduce the risk of injury and build strength in the body, like the glutes and the hips and the core and the hamstrings. Um, not a stabilizer muscle, but again, stabilizers around the hamstring. A dumbbell press, um, whether it's a shoulder press, um, a chest incline press, a flat press, those are movements. Again, they're not barbell loaded, so it's not going to be as heavy as a traditional barbell, um, but you can definitely still press a lot of weight. You can alternate. You can do unilateral movements. You can mix up the, the variations of how we press. Um, just love the movement all around. Definitely a staple in a good routine. So here's some movements that you probably wouldn't have guessed I'm going to put in. If I'm going to give you five seconds. I'm going to go silent for five seconds. I want in your head to guess what these movements are going to be. I have three of them. If you get them, DM me. Let me know that you guessed them, and I'll give you like a free workout or something. All right, time's up. That was five seconds, guys. So if you got all three, let me know. DM me. Shoot me up. First one's farmer carry, okay? This has a phenomenal systemic effect. So yes, um, there is this multi-joint effect going on. Again, it's almost like a deadlift. You're, it's the deadlift lockout position, right? So you're walking with a pair of dumbbells or trap bar, or you can be front-loaded. You can do it in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, but I love the farmer carry. It's a staple of a strength routine, um, staple even sometimes in a muscle-building routine because it, it promotes strength, but it also builds muscle from a tension standpoint. But here's the cool part. The movements I'm going to go over the next two, they don't have the muscle damage aspect. You're not doing the eccentric portion to the movement. So it doesn't beat the body up as much. So you can incorporate them in your routine far more frequently. Next, next movement, sorry, is the prowler push or a sled drag. Um, both are just phenomenal tools. COVID forced me to become um, more versatile and adopt new modalities into my training because I didn't have access to all the traditional stuff that we've talked about in this podcast. So the sled was a massive tool that helped build up my work capacity. It was a major player in me completing the Great Canadian Record Challenge this past summer. Um, for me to do 10 half Ironmans in 10 days and do the 50,000 pounds every single day at one and a half times my body weight after each of those Ironmans for a total of 500,000 pounds in 10 days and with the travel, a big component of me doing that successfully was me engaging with sled pulls, drags, and prowler pushes. It was a four-day-a-week thing I would do. i do them in between my big training sessions. Um, like I said, it doesn't beat the body up as much as a typical multi-joint movement where the eccentric portion of the lift is emphasized. So it allowed me to really engage a ton of musculature. It allowed me to have this 
awesome systemic effect to build my muscle um, and build strength and stability and durability. So absolutely huge movements. I love as main accessories. If you're not going to put them into your routine uh, as a multi-joint or sorry, during your one of your main primary sessions, they are great GPP sessions in between general physical preparedness sessions uh, where you're basically really just strengthening the body, becoming a more fitter, stronger, uh, more conditioned athlete. And then the hip thrust as a main accessory. Too many guys don't do this. Uh, every girl does. So hip thrust, you can do this with a barbell. Like I said, you can load it up, probably load it up more than any movement you're going to do um, because it's just a, the range of motions not as great as the other movements. Um, and again, you're really just driving your hips up from flexion, your hips back to extension, hips forward. And again, a massive glute builder up there with the back squat um, into a routine if you were looking to build the glutes. And like I said, the glutes are so important in terms of keeping the body protected, giving a nice sculpted look, a nice pair of glutes is tough to rival. It's really uh, an attractive piece of the puzzle for a aesthetically looking body. So a very important movement, um, like I said, not only from an aesthetic standpoint, but from a performance and injury prevention standpoint, the hip thrust should definitely be a main staple in anybody's routine as a main accessory or secondary movement. Okay, guys, so that takes care of the main accessories that I love to put in my routine. Um, if you are going to pick any accessories based on you not doing any of the, of the big five compound movements for whatever reason or looking for a switch, those are some movements you can definitely throw in. Now, we're going to get into a list of awesome accessory exercises per muscle group. So these are basically just these more isolation-oriented movements. Um, I, I might say the secondary movements again just so you know what movement is attached to the body part i'm talking about um, but i'll also give you a lot more isolation movements that have a much lower overall stress effect but they're really good at sculpting and building that particular muscle so let's start off with upper body and we'll work our way down to the lower body starting off we have the chest everybody's favorite we know monday is international bench day for a lot of guys and hopefully some gals now they're probably more for girls it's probably more international glute day and guys I would say chest day. That makes sense. Um, you'd have the chest fly, whether it's cable or from a dumbbell. You have dips like we talked about. Great to build the stretch in a different angle. Usually we're pressing for the chest in a more horizontal fashion, where with the dip, we go actually vertical up and down, um, where our body's straight up, not lying down, right? The push-up, phenomenal one. If you're not good at push-ups, get good at them. You know, just kind of a staple of any fit, healthy, strong body. Dumbbell incline press. Um, or even flat bench press, right? You can't load it as much as a bench press, but again, phenomenal to build the chest. So those are the movements you definitely want to supply in your routine if you're looking to build your chest up. The back, going from anterior to posterior quickly, you have the lat pull down, whether you're seated. Um, I even like a standing version where you stand in front of the lat pull down and you basically pull, uh, you, you grab onto one long bar and you bring your hands out in front of you down to the sides of your body and you stay upright, you stay erect, your abs are nice and engaged, that, that drills the lats as well. You can go into a hinge position if you want, but even a traditional seated lat pull down um, is awesome. I love that one. It basically mimics the pull up. You're just pulling down, right? But you're definitely going to hit the lats, build the, build the nice tapered V look you're looking for, um, and you're going to squeeze through the scapula and the rhomboids there. Cable, seated row, Banded rows work well too. You can't load it as much as a cable seated row. Um, so again, if you have access to both, definitely ditch the band, go to more towards cable. But 
Worst case, you can definitely crush some seated cable rows. Pullover um, is an awesome exercise. It's a unique angle to hit the back at, but a phenomenal exercise. Uh, and then the pull-up like we discussed earlier. Biceps. Now we're going back to the anterior of the body now. We have the concentration curl. This is basically every guy's favorite exercise if you want to have a nice bicep pump. You basically sit down on a chair or a bench. You tuck the back of your arm against the inside of your thigh and you curl the weight from a locked up position up towards your chest and shoulder and you stare and you squeeze and you concentrate on that bicep flexing and engaging. It's probably one of the more douchey exercises you can do just from the look standpoint, but it builds a nice looking bicep. Easy bar curl, I love these. It's probably one of my favorite bicep movements. Um, I can load it up fairly decently with the easy bar. It's just how the bar is formed and molded. Feels comfortable, feels cool, I like it. Dumbbell curls, obviously, we're just going straight up traditional here. Everyone knows what a dumbbell curl is. You stand or you sit and you curl the dumbbells. Like from that locked up position, you bring the weight in your hand up towards your shoulder. You squeeze the shit out of your bicep. Chin-ups, we discussed that one. Definitely has that back and bicep effect. And then preacher curl is where you're seated. Um, I'll try to do some videos for you guys and link this to my YouTube page, Brandon Renka365. So, I'll do it maybe later this week, so keep an eye out. So if you're like, what the hell are all these exercises? I can kind of understand what he's talking about, but I want to see it in action. I might try to put some of these together or maybe do a bit of a series where I do one muscle group a week or you know two a week or something like that. So keep an eye out. I'll make sure I update you guys. Um, shoulders, um, lateral raise, front raise, right? Dumbbell presses. We talked about those Arnold presses, dumbbell shoulder presses, alternating presses. Oh man, I didn't even talk about Z press. I missed that one. Um, basically it's an overhead press, so it's kind of cheating. It's close to a big five, uh, but you can do a dumbbell Z press, which is definitely a secondary or accessory movement because uh, it's not as heavily loaded, uh, but it's really cool because it drills the upper back as well and it creates this cool stabilization effect through the uh, abdominals. Uh, and then we have face pulls. I really like face pulls to build the shoulders up and, and kind of pull the shoulders back as well. So it's a good way to hit the rear delts and get a good squeeze of the rhomboids. Um, rear delt flies, if you want to hit the rear head of the deltoids. Again, if you think about your shoulder joint, it's a multi-joint, right? A lot, lot, of, lot going on there. Um, you have the anterior head, right? Uh, which is the front of the shoulder. You have the lateral head and you have uh, the rear deltoid, which is uh, the back of the shoulder, right? And this gives your shoulder a good shape to it. So definitely something that a lot of people neglect because you invest a lot of time in maybe the pressing of, of heavy weights. But the rear delts are a great way to throw into your routine at the end of a workout, maybe to prime your shoulders before you press and target those small stabilizer muscles. Triceps, we have the dips we talked about in the chest category as well, but definitely a banger for... The, the triceps, probably the best bang for your buck one. We talked about close grip bench press, a little kind of cheated on that one. Um, and a floor press, I love that one too, right? Kind of cheated on that one because it is a bench press, it's just a different variation of. Uh, push downs, um, cable push downs, banded push downs, you know, dumbbell extensions, skull crushers with an easy bar curl, um, easy curl bar, sorry. Um, or you can use a barbell or you even use dumbbells with a skull crusher, right? It sounds scary. Basically, if you drop the weights, you're going to you know, crush your skull. So don't don't drop the weights on those ones. Uh, then close grip push-ups on a med ball. I love that one because you're squeezing the med ball, the sides kind of. Your hands are almost on top, but it's a little bit on an angle. And you're able to really squeeze your pec. So you're going to get some good pec development there as well because your hands are so close together. You're naturally going to hit the triceps a little bit more. 
And then we have the traps, shrugs. Good old basic barbell, dumbbell, heavy ass shrugs. Shrug them up, the traps are gonna get lit up. Make sure you hold for a two to three second count at the top to really increase the, the time and retention for your traps there. Let's move on to the legs to finish this thing off. We'll work our way from hamstrings, quads to glutes. So hamstrings, we have the hamstring curl of any variety, any variation, seated down, lying um, on your back. You can do it lying on your front. That makes sense. Line on your front. Yeah, you can do a Swiss ball curl, right? That's lying on your on your. That's lying on your back. Lying on your front would be obviously you chest down and curling the the weight from your heel, obviously to your butt, like one of those machines. Um, you can do a towel curl. You can do sliders. You can do like I said, the Swiss ball is a great at home, like very inexpensive tool to do a hamstring curl, but it's a great way to develop those hamstrings. Um, Nordic hamstring curls, very tough movement. You're probably going to have to, well, you're definitely going to have to focus on the negative portion. Um, this is a tricky one to set up. Uh, you basically got to have your, you know, heels and feet locked into something. And then you got to just bend forward with your knees bent and you basically try to fight gravity, but that will light the shit up your hamstrings. Make sure you do a good dynamic stretch before you do those. If not, you're going to cramp up for sure. Not to scare you, but they build some sexy looking hamstrings and very durable looking hamstrings, which is important. The glute ham raise is in that back extension machine. Love this. Same thing. Get a good dynamic stretch. One of the better movements you can do. Um, I love throwing those into my routine. Um, sleds pushing through the heel. So prowlers, sleds. If you push through the sole of your foot and you stay off the the balls of your feet and you definitely push through the heels you're gonna get a lot of hamstring engagement and the cool thing like we talked about with sleds and prowlers there's none of that you know extreme muscle damage because we're going into more of that concentric isometric stage um lunging incredible tool and sprinting um i love hill sprints this is i wouldn't really say it's an isolation movement or accessory movement i would say it's an accessory to your training um great way to burn fat probably one of the better tools out there if you look at those athletes the ones that sprint they're shredded they're strong um it's those fast twitch muscle fibers going and being engaged so sprinting is a great tool you're light on your toes with those ones um go for shorter distances eight to 15 seconds you know 100 meter sprints 50 meter sprints um, do it uphill on an incline just be safer with it quad the quads right obviously a lot of parts to the quad four obviously um leg press leg extension where you extend your leg out typical rehab movement for the knee joint a goblet squat weight in front of you squatting down uh, traditionally a dumbbell or you know a sandbag of some sort lunges you just be a little bit more narrow with your stance with hamstrings you go with a wider stance and you'd hip hinge more you'd push your hips back where if you're trying to angle the quad, you have more of a narrow squat, you're a little bit more vertical in your positioning. And then a sissy squat sounds sissy-ish, um, but it actually works okay. I, I don't do a lot of it. I hear good things. Uh, for whatever reason, never been a big uh, sissy squat guy myself, right? Um, glutes, finally. The ladies are like, where the hell are the glutes? Part of this episode, well, here we are, guys. We have, and guys, you should be like, where are the glutes at? You know, I want to build those glutes. I have a program right now. I just put it out, so go buy it if, you, if you're really that concerned about building those glutes. It'll be 12 weeks of fun and shapely glutes by the end of it. Glutes by Christmas. Um, going off the exercise, we have single leg hip thrust. Love this one. You can't load it all that, uh, all that much, um, but again, unilateral, so you get to build one side at a time. 
creates a little bit more symmetry. So I love that one. You definitely squeeze the top. You got to make sure single leg glute bridge. Yeah, it's pretty good. I prefer the hip thruster where your back is elevated. A step up. Love this movement. Uh, this is for your quads too. So you definitely throw it in that category. And if you, um, but definitely for the glutes. Love this movement. Um, shows if one of those EMG electrical signaling um, studies that the step up has as much engagement as any exercise for the glutes. So again, doesn't mean it's going to build the glutes the most, but clearly there's some engagement going on. So great isolation and accessory tool to use. Um, and it's good to, like I said, build muscle around that, the knee joint as well. Uh, a lunge for the glutes, hip hinge, push the hips back. The more that you hinge, um, pushing through the heel, um, even doing like a walking Romanian deadlift um, lunge is phenomenal to build the hamstrings. Again, really emphasizing the hip hinge, abduction, adduction, um, that knees in, knees apart. Um, you can do those machines at home or you do it with like a, a band at home. And then you have the standing cable um, abductions. I love these ones. Uh, you can do a band for this as well, right? Support yourself, you know, just it's a little bit of stability. Drive your foot, the base foot, the balance foot through the ground, slight bend in the knee, and then abduct. Take the leg away from your midline through the center of your body, squeezing the glutes. If you have resistance with the cable and band, tell me you don't feel the outer glute, the side butt light up. Uh, and then kickbacks, yeah, obviously effective. Like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of stimulation going on when you do a kickback with some resistance, um, preferably with a cable, just to get a little bit more resistance there. But great tool right there, guys. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. That takes care of the best accessory exercises. We even looked at some secondary movements, i.e. main accessories that you can engage in, but a great way to put this into your routine. Now you have a good understanding of what movements do what uh, and the benefits of these accessory exercises. Okay, guys, like always, you can visit brandonrinka365.com for services, for products, for free blogs. To join the Brandon Rinka BR365 Strength Squad community, a community of five plus expert industry leading coaches that are going to actually help you guys in a private Facebook group. Not only that, you get free webinars, you get free guides every single month, is weekly coaching, answering your questions. We got a ton of cool stuff that we do within the platform. We do tutorials, we have quarterly workshops. It's a good fucking thing to get into, guys. It's $99.99. This will go on sale Friday. We're going to go for about a week or so where we're going to give free access to a eight-week onboarding program. It's a foundational strengthening program, eight weeks absolutely free when you sign up to the BR365 Strength Squad right on my website. Like I said, it will be available Friday. So don't go to my website right now. Freak out if you don't see it. Friday, October 1st, we launch this community. You're going to have everything you need. Naturopaths, you're going to have integrative health practitioners. You have personal trainers, mobility specialists, PTs. You have it. We are there to help support you guys in this journey. We are disrupting the narrative. We are creating a new energy to this space, and we're going to help you guys have longevity in your health and fitness journey. All right, guys, have an awesome day, and we will see you on the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.